Welcome to A Year on Tour with Wittinghus. Here's your host, Hans Christian Wittinghus. Hello guys and girls and welcome back to another episode of A Year on Tour with Wittinghus. There's a few topics to go through today. First of all, I'll give you an update on my chances of making it to the World Championships in Copenhagen. I also have a very positive update about me going to Asia again to play some badminton. And I will get into the recently concluded Sudirman Cup, which was played last week. At the end, I also have a few questions from my patrons that I will answer. And if you guys listening want to be able to ask questions for the podcast in the future, please go check out patreon.com slash where you can figure out how to get those kind of benefits along with match feedback or one-on-one video calls from me or video messages and other cool stuff. So go check out patreon.com slash if you want to support my work with the podcast and also get lots of cool benefits. Anyway, let's just get right into it. I'll start off by updating you guys on my chances of making it to the World Championships. In the latest episode, I said that the chances were looking a lot better, that I had moved up the reserves list if our calculations were right. Unfortunately, it turns out that uh, we misunderstood the rules a little bit, uh, or quite a bit actually, so the the people that pulled out uh, or declined the invitations, those invitations didn't go to the players at the top of the rankings who didn't qualify in phase one. Instead, it went to other countries' players that were below the ones that were originally invited. So countries that still didn't get any invitations but still had players in top 150, which means that there were actually, I think it was five declines, which was what I needed uh, with our first calculations. But those five declines, those invitations then went on to yeah, go to players that were just even lower in the rankings. So I, as it looks right now, I'm probably still five, uh, five withdrawals or declines away from uh, getting a spot at the World Championships. And that looks quite unrealistic now because apart from those five new invitations that were sent out here in phase two, everyone else accepted their invitations. So Basically, it would mean that five people should get badly injured or these five people that just got invited will uh, have to pull out for me to get a spot. So it looks, unfortunately, very unrealistic that I will uh, get a spot at the World Championships, which is sad. But yeah, it is what it is. It's uh, what I thought also before we got the phase one list. Um, I just got my hopes up a little bit because how of, uh, yeah, especially the uh, the Federation understood the rules. But it was... Uh, it was a little bit of a misunderstanding, but yeah, anyway, that's what it looks like now. And we just have to wait and see if I will actually make it. Some good news instead is that I will actually get to go to Asia again. In the latest episode, I said that most likely with me pulling out of Malaysia Masters, which is being played this week, I would have been to Asia for the final time in my career to play badminton when I went in January for the Malaysia, India and Indonesia tournaments. But on Friday last week, during the quarterfinal uh, day of the Sudirman Cup, Victor Axelsen got injured. Um, as I knew, I was second on the reserves list for uh, Indonesia Open in a couple of weeks. I thought I would go online and check if, uh, if there had been any withdrawals, because 
obviously it looked like there was an, a chance that Victor could not play. Uh, and then when I checked the new list from uh, from Indonesia Open, which actually came out on that very Friday, I was in the main draw. So instead of being second reserve, I was in the main draw because Sao Yongpeng from China had already pulled out and uh, Tamasin Sidikom from Thailand, who was first reserve, had also pulled out. So that meant I got a spot in the main draw even before uh, Victor pulling out. And Victor haven't pulled out yet, but... His injury was the reason why I went to check it, so that was a very pleasant surprise for me. Uh, of course, sad for Sao Jinping, but that is what it is. I'm very happy I get the chance to go to Indonesia again. I'm really, really excited about it, and that just makes it even uh, more perfect that I did... Uh, not perfect, but more correct that I, uh, I chose to skip Malaysia Masters so I can... Uh, uh, this week so i can be 100 percent ready for indonesia open in in three weeks time i'm still struggling with my hamstring actually this week has been a little bit worse than what i was hoping for so it's not 100 percent certain i will end up being ready for indonesia open but i booked my flight ticket so i'm really uh, counting on it and i'm really hoping for it it's amazing that i get to get I get to go one more time and play in Estorda Sanayan in front of the most insane crowd there is in Babington. And to make it even more interesting and even more fun for me, I uh, I got to draw yesterday and I have to play Anthony Ginting in the first round. Of course, it's a tough draw. He's the number two in the world, second seed in the tournament. Um, so yeah, very, very tough to play him at home, but it's going to be so much fun. The atmosphere is going to be amazing because it's an Indonesian guy I'm playing. I played him uh, once before in that tournament and it's just, yeah, it's so much fun. He's a, such a cool guy. Uh, yeah, I love playing against him. I love watching him play as well and playing him in front of his home crowd is going to be so much fun. So I'm really, really excited about it. This also means I won't be playing Denmark Masters, which I was originally planning to do. And that is simply because I have to travel the same week as Denmark Masters is on. So I won't be able to play Denmark Masters. So Indonesia Open will be my next event. And then after that, I'll have a couple of weeks before the Canada Open. And that is my schedule for the summer. Let's move on to a bit of talk about the Sudirman Cup, which was played last week, as I mentioned. For me, it was just amazing to see the badminton was back in China. We haven't been in China since uh, before the pandemic. It was almost uh, four years, I think three and a half to be precise, uh, since we last saw top level world-class badminton from China. And China is such an important market and country for international badminton. It's yeah, both in terms of uh, like the the size of the fan base, but uh, yeah, also in terms of uh, the commercial part of the sport. It's so important to have China there, and China is, of course, the best badminton country in terms of of level. They are dominating in, uh, yeah, they have been dominating in all five categories. They have world class players in all five categories. Uh, they they set the standard for badminton at the highest level. So it's so important that badminton is back there. And it was really nice to see that there was a full crowd for so many days. Amazing, amazing atmosphere. Uh, I I really honestly believe that the Chinese crowd in some ways is one of the best crowds out there. And that's not because uh, they're the most loud or anything. That's definitely the Indonesian crowd. The Malaysian crowd is also amazing. 
but the I always feel like when I'm in China all the times I've been in China that the Chinese crowd they really understand badminton and they really appreciate good badminton it doesn't matter if it's a, a Danish player a Chinese player a Indonesian player if they see good badminton if they see full effort they really just appreciate it and uh, applaud it I uh, I really I really have the Chinese fans as a badminton spectator in, in high regards. It was really nice to see them uh, yeah, turning up in full force for the Sudirman Cup since uh, badminton was now finally back. Apart from this fact about the, uh, the spectators, there were things I did enjoy about Sudirman Cup and also things I didn't really enjoy too much. Um, let's start off with the more negative part, which is I find this like group stage of uh, the Demon Cup quite uninteresting so like actually a little bit boring I think there's too many matches with nothing at stake and I yeah I don't really like the uh, the format I also don't like the way that it's often uh, matches in the, like the group finals there's not too much at stake because the two teams that play each other are often both already qualified for the quarterfinal and um, so you often see matches that don't have a lot of significance. Uh, I would like them to do the same thing as I've seen others suggest and I've also suggested myself for the World Tour Finals where you see after day one like the two winners in the first match in the group will have to play each other in match two because that way there will always be matches on day three where there will be a lot at stake for, uh, for as many teams as possible instead of having a match on day three against two teams that have lost both the matches and has nothing more to play for and two teams that have won both the matches at, and are already qualified. If you do it the other way around, there will always be uh, matches where at least uh, yeah, three of the teams in the group will still have something to play for. So I'm just not a big fan of the, uh, the group format as it is right now, also because the, the level between the teams is just very, very big with some of the teams not, not really being able to compete with, uh, with the others. Back in, in the days, I don't remember how many years ago, but some years ago there was like different divisions in Sudirman Cup, which uh, definitely in terms of the, uh, the sporting aspect of it, uh, the competitiveness, it was much. It worked a lot better. Um, so Demon Cup was also a much bigger, uh, bigger event because it it had I think something like four different divisions. Um, but I understand like the way they do it now. They want representation from the entire world, and it is a world championship, so that's fair enough. It's just it kills a bit of the uh, intensity and like how interesting it is for me to watch the the ground, uh, not the ground, the group stage. That being said, after the group stage, I thought it was amazing badminton to watch. Like from the quarterfinals onwards, there were so many great matches, uh, tight matches with a lot of tension as well. Uh, I really enjoyed watching China again, actually. Uh, the crowd also helped in terms of the, uh, the atmosphere being amazing. Uh, and China really, like they had such a solid team, so many great players. But still, they were actually under a lot of pressure. Uh, when they played Japan, they were so close of losing down four match points in the men's doubles that they had to win. They were down 2-1 in that match. Uh, and yeah, had to win the men's doubles, saving four match points at 2016 in the final game. So yeah, they had a lot of pressure. Uh, but once again, China just showed they are a fantastic team. They're so resilient. They're so, like, they 
fight so hard for everything. They never give up and just yeah give everything. And they were definitely deserved winners of the Sudirman Cup. But yeah, they could have also uh, had big disappointment losing in that uh, semifinal against Japan. Another team I want to uh, mention is Korea, because I don't think on paper that Korea looked to be uh, yeah the second best team there. But I feel like every single time we see a team competition Korea, they just deliver. And they did once again. The men's doubles, which was a scratch pairing in many of the matches, just played outstanding. And I think uh, yeah, even in the final, I would say they, uh, they would have had a chance had they uh, won the mixed doubles, which they were very close of winning, leading 19-16 in the second game after winning the first. I think the uh, the women's singles between Anse Young and Chen Yufei in the third match could have been very different had the score been 1-1 instead of 2-0 for China. So yeah, that's uh, I think my two biggest takeaway uh, takeaways from uh, the tournament is the level of Korea as a team event and. Uh, uh, also, uh, yeah, how resilient the team China is and that badminton is back in China. That is just amazing. A couple of questions from my patrons. One from Josh, which uh, works pretty well in uh, as extension to uh, me just talking about China playing at home at the Sudiman Cup. Josh is uh, saying that he certainly understands having the backing of a stadium uh, like at Sudirman Cup can help you elevate your game, but surely it also applies mental pressure too. So he's wondering if I know of any pro players who prefer not to play in front of fans, either home fans or fans in general, because they find that the pre pressure outweighs the inspiration. And I've, I've thought about it, Josh, I, I can't really come up with like one specific player where I feel like this is the uh, situation uh, maybe it also wouldn't be fair to uh, to say that without talking to the player first but yeah I can't come up with any anyway but one good example I could come up with is if you look at the uh, Tokyo Olympics in 2021 I am 100% certain that the reason why the output from the Japanese team was so poor was because of the home pressure or the pressure of playing at home at the time japan was probably as dominant a country as china in the world of badminton it was definitely very close between those two countries and they only came away with a bronze in the mixed double which was hugely disappointing everyone of course knows momota also losing early to heal from korea i know he had his car crash and everything but like there's many examples with the entire Japanese team in, in Tokyo where it felt like the pressure uh, from the expectations completely outweighed the, uh, the inspiration you should get. But it's also, again, a little bit unfair because they didn't really have uh, a big crowd because of uh, yeah, the pandemic, of course. But I still think like this is a situation where you can see that the home pressure is also immense. And this situation, it was no advantage for them at all because they didn't have the crowd either that could actually uh, give them the inspiration. Um, but yeah, I think we see it every now and then that uh, players at home, they completely uh, melt down basically and cannot perform at all. But you also see the opposite where people, they kind of uh, get lifted up and inspired by... Uh, by the fans so it can definitely work both ways no doubt about that but yeah unfortunately i can't really come up with a very specific example of someone where i know 
they prefer not to have a, uh, a big crowd behind them. Then there's a couple of questions from uh, from Raf about club badminton, uh, the European club system. Uh, first of all, he's asking about my, the strength of feeling for badminton clubs in the Europe club system versus football club fans. Uh, so, like uh, in terms of like hype and discussion around transfers, speculation, player strength, and so so on. And the question stems from him watching uh, Welcome to Wrexham. Uh, the uh, the show about the uh, the Welsh football club Wrexham, which has been bought by uh, two American actors, Ryan Reynolds and uh, now uh, Rob, uh, I forgot his last name, but two uh, two Hollywood actors, um, and he's uh, he gets jealous because of their religious uh, yeah favor um, that people have from the football club. I'm not sure if I pronounced that correct. But anyway, there's no comparison, Raf. Uh, like the strength, like the, the fans of the European uh, badminton clubs, they don't really, uh, they're not really fans in the same way as you see football fans in Europe. It, it's nothing close to that. There's definitely people that uh, love their badminton clubs and uh, they give uh, devote a lot of their time and effort into to helping the club but you don't see like uh, uh, people uh, with the same kind of uh, same kind of passion where it's like almost life or death uh, how it goes with the with the badminton club like this of course the people they they there's some people that spend almost all the time there and energy and so on but it's still it's like it's it's quite different in times of uh, hype and uh, I, I think the biggest uh, difference probably is also like the number of fans because like obviously the in the European badminton clubs you, you don't have fans in the same way like fans standing there singing songs and stuff like that you have a few maybe that does it but not not hundreds of thousands as you see in uh, football so it doesn't really uh, it's not really uh, fair to to compare those uh, two in any way and uh, Raf is also asking how much do pros care about club badminton? Where does it rank uh, versus the normal tournaments? Uh, so like do do players really care or is it just a bit of fun? Uh, I would say it varies a lot from player to player. Also depending a lot on uh, what kind of level they have, like uh, what their international career looks like. Uh, the, uh, the higher level you have in international badminton, the less club badminton uh, uh, for most people motivates them but for a lot of players it's very important with club badminton because they pay the players a salary to play and that salary is is quite often very important in terms of actually making a living of badminton and of course when you get paid to play you also feel an obligation to to do your best and give everything for the club when you're there so i would say 99% of the players definitely care, uh, but I don't think there's a lot of pro players where club badminton is the main priority. Most players have the international career as a uh, as a main priority, but there are also players who have not yet had like a uh, like a breakthrough at the international scene that will uh, prioritize league badminton at their highest. But in general, I would say the international tournaments is uh, prioritized higher. But pros definitely do care about club, club badminton because for many it is uh, something you need to do or you have to do simply uh, to make uh, 
make uh, things work for you. Like uh, you, you cannot live from badminton without club badminton unless you are a very, very top player uh, that earns a lot of sponsorship money and prize money. But even for me throughout my career, it's been a necessity to uh, to play club badminton to uh, to make uh, men's meet. Uh, yeah, for me, so it is important. Right, guys and girls, I think that will be it for today. I hope it made sense. I hope you found it interesting. 20 minutes today, so a bit longer than usual. Uh, I'm sorry about that, but uh, yeah, I hope you didn't get too bored. I will be back uh, in June, start of June, with a new episode. And uh, hopefully before that, I will find time for a Q&A for my patrons for this month. But it might be also in the start of June. I will try my best to find time. Thanks, guys and girls, for listening. I'll be back soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to A Year on Tour with Vittinghus. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, share and leave a comment in iTunes or your preferred podcast app.